This episode of the 10A Podcast is sponsored by TOC Public Relations, the only PR, marketing, and strategic communication firm that specializes in working with public safety agencies, associations, and businesses. TOCPR is also the parent company of Law Enforcement Social, which provides social media, PIO, and content creation training for all public safety. Be sure to check them out at TOCPublicRelations.com and LawEnforcement.Social. This episode of the 10A Podcast is dedicated to police officer Lauren Quartz, Detroit Police Department, Michigan. End of watch, July 6, 2022. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, a study in stoicism with Bryce, the Stoic Sentinel. The height of intelligence to hear another person's thought and not make it your own. I've gotten a ton out of it and I've applied it to my life in my own way. And I think that's the greatest thing about philosophy, living that intentional life. It's that ideal character that we want. Tomorrow is something that we've made up. No other animal on earth thinks about tomorrow. To them, it doesn't exist. That's what really got it going for me was that foundation of learning who I am. You can't write your story if you don't know who the main character is. A person can go pretty much their whole life without having to figure out who they are. afternoon good evening what do you hear what do you say welcome to the 108 podcast i'm your host 108 this is episode 241 oh 241 that's like one of my favorite real big fish instrumental songs hold on a second All right, so anyway, <laughs> I just had to put that in there. I, I wasn't even expecting that. That didn't even cross my mind. That was not part of the planned show. Anyway, today's episode is a study in stoicism with my buddy Bryce from North Texas. And we're going to talk about stoic philosophy and all that. And we're going to do a quick little intro real quick in just a moment. But I just want to tell you just how witty I am. A study in stoicism, the title is actually a reference to the first story of Sherlock Holmes, which is a study in Scarlet. And uh, I was listening to this on Audible, uh, study in Scarlet, when I had the idea of doing this episode with Bryce, and we're talking several months ago now, uh, finally getting around to recording it and producing it and bringing it to you guys. Uh, if you guys remember, episode number three of the podcast was with my buddy Bill Morrow, who goes by the inter- internet handle The Stoic Cop. He wrote a book. It's on my bookshelf. Um... He's got his page, he's got his blog, he's super into fitness and stuff now. Um, We talked Stoicism. Episode 3 of the podcast was actually interview number 1 that I ever did. Go check it out. I I kind of cringe to listen to it now because I hope I've gotten a whole lot better as far as production value and stuff like that goes. Um, But go check it out. I'm sure it's still good. It's still one of my top listened to uh, episodes right now. So go check it out if you want. 
Um, I recommend you do one because I want to get another listen from you and two because it's good information about stoicism. But if you don't want to go all the way back to episode number three, I guess I kind of get it. Maybe you should after this episode, but, uh, Bryce and I are really going to talk all about stoicism from, you know, from the beginning to, to where we are now. And I'm going to throw in some stuff in the beginning and end as well. So that being said, let's go ahead and intro you to stoicism. We'll get you caught up to speed so you know what it is. So that way when Bryce and I start, Bryce and I start talking about all this stuff, it's not new to you. Well, it will be, but at least you get some information introed. So let's talk about basic. What is stoicism? So stoicism and being a stoic, right? It comes from, it's a school from Hellenistic Greece. And it was founded in the 3rd century BCE in Athens, Greece. Stoicism gets its name from the place where it was founded. The founder, the the noted founder of Stoicism was Zeno of Sidium. And he lectured in a place called the Stoa Poikile. That's probably wrong, but it, it translates to the Painted Colonnade. Uh, it was Zeno who first divided the philosophy into three parts, logic, physics, and ethics. So then from Greece, Stoicism found its way to ancient Rome in the 2nd century BCE, and that's really where it took roots. That's where it really flourished, and it found its four most influential proponents, and that's going to be Cicero, Seneca, Epictetus, and Marcus Aurelius, and we're going to talk about them in, in a little bit more depth in just a second, but... Basically, the whole idea of Stoics, of the Stoics, now there's two different things that I want to talk about real quick before we go into more information. Stoic, right? If someone is Stoic, lowercase s, then they um, are, are they're kind of uh, void of emotion. They're, they're stone-faced. You know, you think of like Batman or um, Dr. Gregory House, you know, just like that classic, you know, nothing bothers me type of thing, the brooding... Um, but that's different, right? The Stoics, capital S, uh, is actually it's a it's a mindset showing that we cannot um, affect the world around us, but we can have how we react. We can we can uh, in, do things with that, and that's Stoic philosophy. So, um, what it says in this little blog that I'm kind of taking information from. The Stoics say we cannot have a perfect world in perfect situations and perfect fellow humans. But what we can try instead is to live in a way that we do not lose control of our feelings and thoughts. Um, Marcus Aurelius. So Marcus Aurelius, let's talk about him. He was an emperor. He was an emperor of ancient Greece and he was a philosopher. Could you imagine a world leader, you know, of the biggest power in the world being a philosopher could you imagine the philosopher joe biden okay that was that was my one little political little zing right there Woo-hoo. um no you can't it's not a modern concept to have a philosopher king it's just not and i really i was hoping that we were getting there i thought we were striving that way i thought and i said this in a previous episode that i thought we were going towards the second great enlightenment where like the general consciousness of the world kind of plucked our heads out of our asses and we, we got stuff done and then we didn't. Um, we elected people like, you know, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and now Joe Biden who are not 
no, that's, that's not the direction we need to go. We are going further and further away from that second great enlightenment. So uh, shame on me. So let's go ahead and talk about the, uh, the, stoic, the stoic thinkers that I was just talking about. All right, so the first one we're going to talk about is Cicero. Uh, Marcus Tullius Cicero was a Roman statesman, lawyer, scholar, philosopher, and academic skeptic who tried to uphold the optimate principles during the political crisis that led to the establishment of the Roman Emperor. Uh, He was born January 3rd, 106 BC, and died December 7th, 43 BC. So uh, he lived 63 years, all in Rome. He was beheaded by Mark Antony. So go ahead and read about this. I'm not really going to go into the history of it. I just don't have the time. That's not really the purpose of the podcast. But these are names that are going to come up uh, we really only talk about Cis- um, Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus and a little bit of Seneca in in the interview, but I'm just going to give you these names so they sound familiar to you, and you know, let this be the start of your reading rainbow. Just take a look; it's in a book. Reading rainbow. Go and, and read into it. Uh, these are you know these are the the philosophers in this philosophy. Um, so the next one is going to be Seneca. So let's go ahead and talk about Seneca. Lucius Aeneas Seneca, or Seneca the Younger. Um, He was born uh, in 4 BCE in Spain and died in 65 CE in Rome. Uh, He was Rome's leading intellectual figure for most of the first century CE and was virtual ruler with his friends of the Roman world between 54 and 62 during the first phase of the Emperor Nero's reign. Um, so again, these are all very powerful people. These are not, uh, you know, Ryan holiday. He's going to be an author that we talk about in a minute and I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a brief introduction of him too. But he was just on Joe Rogan not too long ago and was talking about like, you know, when, when you think of a philosopher in modern day, uh, you think of a guy like Ryan holiday, tall, skinny, kind of academic based. Right. Um, but these guys were tough. These were world leaders. These were strong dudes. And these, you know, they they facilitated this school of thought, which we're still talking about right now, 2,000 years later. It's it's amazing. So that's uh, that was Seneca. And now let's talk about Epictetus. So Epictetus uh, lived from 50 AD to 135 AD. So he was thir- uh, 85. He was 85 years old. He's from Greece, so he's different. The other, all the other ones are from uh, ancient Rome. Uh, Epictetus taught a philosophy. Um, taught that philosophy is a way of life, not just theoretical discipline. So he's doing it for day-to-day use, and that's the important thing. Like a lot of times, uh, one joke when I was going through college the first time, it was like. Um, you know, major in philosophy. So that way you can ask people why they want fries with that, you know, some stupid shit like that. But it, this is actually important stuff. And, and still philosophy goes right into that. And then we're, we'll talk about Marcus Aurelius. Marcus, Marcus Aurelius Antoninus uh, was the Roman emperor from 161 to 180 AD. And uh, he lived from... April 121 to March 180. So he was he was fairly young, 58 years old, um, but he was the Roman emperor and, of course, the Stoic philosopher. So, you know, he is uh, also known as the last of the good rule of the rulers known as the five good emperors. So 
you know, he was kind of at the end of the Roman emperor or empire. So, um, you know, it just crazy to think that someone of this magnitude, uh, became, or was, was so enthralled in, in this philosophy. Again, it, 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 it just wouldn't happen. You wouldn't find a philosopher in modern leadership. You just wouldn't find it. And then uh, we're going to talk real quick about some modern Stoics. Uh, the, the number one is going to be Ryan Holiday. Uh, he, he is still alive. He's still alive and kicking. He runs the Daily Stoic, the podcast, the the website, the company. Uh, he runs a bookstore. Uh, he's also the former director of marketing for American Apparel, so that's pretty cool. Um, he's written a, a bunch of books. Trust me, I'm lying. The Obstacles Away, Ego's the Enemy, The Daily Stoic, Lives of the Stoic. I've got like almost all of his books up on my bookshelf here. So uh, he's great. And then you got guys like Tim Ferriss. He's a, he's a Stoic. There's just a whole bunch of – this is like a Stoic um, re- revival really it's getting it's getting popular again and that's good i think this is this is where uh modern philosophy really needs to go i think there's a lot of good that can come from uh, a populace that is one with the stoics and hopefully after our conversation today you guys look into it a little bit more uh again this is this is a, a way of living life this is you know it's not religion or anything like that it's just looking at life through a logical sense and focusing on what we can control and uh discrediting what we can't so I'm not going to get too far into it right now. We're already a little bit further along than I had originally planned. But we're going to talk about it more in depth in the conversation with my buddy Bryce, the Stoic Sentinel. And then at the very end, I'm going to put my two cents on a couple different topics uh, that we didn't cover in the interview. And then we will wrap it up. Before we go and talk to Bryce, I just want to drop a sponsorship ad real quick. And that is for Fit Responders. Again, if you guys are trying to get your mind right, listen to the 10A podcast. If you guys are going to try to get your body right, listen to my buddies over at Fit Responders. Just fit.responders on Instagram. Check out their page. They, you know, they they work with meal planning, they work with fitness. It's stuff that you need because if you're not taking care of your body, you're not taking care of your brain, you're not taking care of things that are most important. And we talk about Sean Whalen. He's not a stoic, but he uh he You'll hear it in a minute, but he always says that what you care about, you invest in. Invest in yourself. Check out these guys. Take a hold of your fitness, of your nutrition, and uh, and live a better life. Live a life, you know. Don't don't fall victim to obesity, heart disease, diabetes, things like that that plague those of us in the first responder world. So go check it out. Fit responders on Instagram. Go check them out. Great people, and they're helping out the show as well. All that being said, guys, it is time for our interview with Bryce, the Stoic Sentinel from Texas. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Face that I watch every time I lie Face the last every time I fall I'm hurt, you know that when it's time to sink or swim 
Time to talk stoicism and welcoming to the show. I got my buddy Bryce from North Texas. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I love talking stoicism. I love talking how it relates to the job. And uh, you know, when I when you reached out, uh, it was nice to see another law enforcement focused stoicism page. So uh, thank you for kind of helping to spread the word for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's helped me out so, so very, very much that uh, that's just like I, I had to tell somebody else about it because it's just been so influential in, in what I've been doing since I discovered it. So uh, if I can give back to the community anyway, I figured that would be the, the best way I could do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. It's uh, it's one of those things where you just want to get to the top of the mountain and scream it for everybody to hear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, pages like you the stoic cop and uh you know not to toot my own horn but i do like to try to spread the good word uh just, that's probably not the right way to word that but uh <laughs> for it because I, I think it does have a lot of uh connectivity to law enforcement and the way we do our job and the way we do our job professionally uh but we'll get that to that in just a minute let's go ahead and talk about you real quick uh so i did i did like a soft introduction of you go ahead introduce yourself tell us you know how long you've been on the job where you are what you do and we'll go from there yeah uh i'm bryce say i'm from the the stoic sentinel um i'm actually a 20-year military guy as well uh did 20 years in the air force working on f-16s uh got out tried to do a regular indoor job and it just, I just couldn't do it. So, uh, law enforcement had been on my mind for a long time. So finally got into it here in North Texas and been with the same agency now for about eight years. Uh, the last three as uh, corporal patrol corporal. And I actually just went and got my final offer on a lateral move over to a different department today. So oh, I went wow. Congratulations. And, yeah, met the chief of the new department today. So, I start there in a in a week or so. Nice. So, so wh- how does that compare to what you're working at now? Is it bigger, smaller, more rural, more urban? Uh, it's actually, I actually live in the city that I work in, uh, okay. which after eight years has turned out to be kind of a, a pain in the butt and uh-huh. a little bit of a mental strain. So that was part of the, the decision to go. I'm basically going 20 minutes down the road. Mm-hmm. So it's a, okay. a little bit bigger community, pretty much kind of the same little suburb so we're in the dfw area so just one of the little suburbs okay. of, of dallas gotcha so uh, i right before we press record i saw a meme and it was it was the drake you know like where he he likes that he doesn't like that and it was saying like when you tell a, a vet you know someone who's who's been on the job for a while that you're gonna get a uh, take-home car but you have to stay in county or you know in city and the the vet's like nah i don't want that and then you tell a rookie he's like yeah no i want that yeah and about it. it's something you realize in the beginning, mine was a little bit transverse. So when I got started, because my dad was a cop, so I already had the idea that I didn't want to live and work in the same town uh, because I didn't want work to follow me home, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. And um, so the first agency I applied to was 40 minutes away from where I lived. And one of their stipulations was you had to live somewhere within the county of the, of the agency. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I can make that work. Um, but I wasn't really able to do that right then like you know finances and whatever but then the agency i ended up working for they were like no you can live wherever you want 
just you know you may not get on the SWAT team if you live so far away, or you may not get to be a you know one of our call out units if you live too far away, which was fine. You know, I, I as a rookie that didn't matter to me. So I lived about a half hour away from it, and then as I progressed through my career, the last uh, two and a half years, I lived in the city that I worked in, which immediately regretted but i lived close enough to like the next town over where i I went to the grocery store the next town over and things like that but it's always that little itchy feeling like when you get like i got to uh dispatched to calls at my apartment complex and it's like ah i have to see these guys at the laundry room tomorrow like this is weird you never realize how small the world is until you become a cop and see all these people you ever go to the grocery store and you've been there for like maybe 10, 15 minutes and you see someone you know walk through the door and it's someone that you don't want to really like interact mm-hmm. with. So you do everything you can to avoid them. I guarantee you dollars to donuts, you run into that person before you exit the store. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I just had a recent, I was sitting at a stoplight and this guy that's in a Jeep just suddenly, I could see his head drop down like he passes out, drives across all lanes of traffic. So I have to, shoot down to block traffic and go and check him out. And he had just passed out, uh, older guy. So I get him checked out and everything. And he actually comes up to the station later asking where his license is. I was like, the, you know, FD took you, man. They, they, they had your license. He's like, Oh, they said you had it. I said, well, of course they did. But, uh, it's funny. A week later we're getting our bathroom remodeled here. And the, the guy that's running the the project, he's like, Hey, I know you. I was like, (laughs) you do. (laughs) He's like, yeah, you, yeah. you uh, stopped and helped my dad the other day when he. Oh, okay, okay. I was <laughs> like, oh no. Yeah, neither of them live here, and just happened okay. to be the one guy that's working on our bathroom. Just happens to be that guy's kid. So. Yeah, but th- you're right. That's the small world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the I ended up so down here in Florida. We have a Baker Act. That's the that's like a psychiatric hold for 72 hours if someone wants to like, hurt themselves or whatever. And uh, literally, my. My so I lived in an apartment complex. The building I lived in, a couple doors down, we baker acted this chick, and um, <laughs> sure enough, th- until I moved out, every at least once a month, but usually multiple times a month, she would stop me for something like, "Hey, you're the guy that was there. Can you help me?" And it was she like she got loonier as it went, and I was like, "Oh my god, this this chick needs to leave me alone." Um, it's bad. This one time, I think I might've told this story on the show before, but, um, I was off duty with my girl. We got pizza. We're sitting at the pizza place. This dude walks in big guy. And he's like, he looks at me. I look at him. He goes up to the counter. He's ordering his pizza. And we just keep like looking at each other. I'm like, why does this guy look familiar? And I'm starting to get nervous, you know? And, uh, so he orders his food. He's waiting for it to come out. And we're just kind of looking at each other. And he goes, do I know you from somewhere? I was like, nah, man, probably not. I, I don't, I'm not from around here. He goes, no, you used to work at. And I'm like, oh, no. But it was a civilian job I had. It was totally oh, cool. I was go. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was fine. <laughs> but for that split second, I was like, oh, this is going to uh-huh. get really bad really quick. We all know that um, look. That side yeah. glance. It's like, oh, I know you. I can't place you. Right, right. And it's like, nah, man, it's not me. It must have been my cousin. Yeah, and it's always um, when I got my five-year-old with me or something. I'm like, okay, it's time yeah. to leave. Right, it's never it's never when it, when you're open for business. But um, have you now? Did you move to Texas when you got out of the military? Or are you born and raised down there? Um, I was born in, uh, down South Texas. My dad was uh, military also, so born in a military base down in South Texas. And then through our travels with his, his career, and then I joined and ended up teaching uh, tech school 
here in Texas and met my wife here. And that's what caused me to move down to this area. Okay. But yeah. Nice. Okay. So you're, you're familiar with the area? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. When I first okay, got very here, cool. she showed me around more than anything, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of my situation now. I just relocated a few months ago and I'm still, I have no idea where anything is, but my girl's been down here her whole life. So that's cool. Um, so you're a patrol corporal before you got up to that. Did you just stay on patrol or did you do other things up to that or? Yeah, straight patrol. I did, uh, we have a police training officer. So instead of FTOs, we did, I did a PTO for a couple of years, uh, being in the honor guard, bike patrol, teaching active shooters. Pretty much my wife said I did everything that they, they offered to me and didn't say no to anything. So, <laughs> Okay. Okay. Not too bad. Not but, too bad. Yeah. Tried to um, about everything besides detective. Uh, SWAT was the one thing that she didn't want me to get into when I got into law enforcement, but I came in a little later in life anyway. So all the, all plus the you did, I'm sure you did plenty of that in the military, military anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool, man. So now talking about stoicism, did, is that something that you got into early in life or did you just kind of get into it? How, how'd that happen? Uh, is actually about two years ago. I finally started jujitsu after listening to you know Joe Rogan and Jocko and all them talk about it nonstop about how good it is for law enforcement. So I finally tried it and fell in love with it. And one of the guys that I listened to, uh, uh, forget his actual name, but it goes by Chujitsu. Um, listening to his podcast, uh, he brought up. Uh, Ryan Holiday's books and Stoicism. So I happened to look it up. There was a box set on sale. So I say, like, hey, I'll grab it. So uh, ego is the enemy, obstacle is the way, and stillness is the key was my, my mm-hmm. intro into it. And I've read ego probably four times now because that's just the one that keeps kicking me in the balls every time I read it. So mm-hmm. um, that's what initially got me into it and just been reading them on it since then. And I just started applying things to, to what I was doing. And then uh, after I read the newest one, Courage is Calling, it kind of called me out because I wanted to do something to to share it. Uh, like I said, I was an instructor in the Air Force for four years, so I thought about doing like a course or something like that. Uh, well, in that book, it says that to use fear as your compass heading. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not afraid to do a course. I've, I've got 8,000 teaching hours. So what is something that that scares the shit out of me and it was start a podcast. So <laughs> okay. Uh, honestly, most of my learning has come doing research for the show and uh, trying to, trying to bring all that together. That's awesome. That's great. I, um, so let's talk about Ryan holiday real quick. So Ryan holiday, I actually, this is going to be like a, hopefully it works out, but I sent his, uh, his agent an email. Hopefully season three of the podcast, he'll get to come oh, on. Be awesome. I'm not hard to get a hold it, of. <laughs> Okay, I I wouldn't doubt it. He's also not super a big fan of law enforcement, mm-hmm. which personal politics aside, like I still think he's a good writer and I like some of the things he says. Beha- besides all that, yeah. Um, be, that being said, now looking at my bookshelf here, I've got Courage is Calling right here. Got it for Christmas. I've got Stillness, Ego, Obstacle. I've got all of his books, uh, a lot of his books. Mm-hmm. I've got Lives of the Stoic. I've got the Daily Stoic. Um, so everybody, when you're listening to this, the next uh, probably 40 or so minutes of this episode and you're wondering, where can I start? You can start with meditations. You can start with Seneca. You can start with um, all the, the ancients, but those are a little harder to read. <laughs> if you pick up 
some Ryan Holiday, it's not. It's very easy to read, uh, but it gets you thinking, and it really gets those juices flowing. Uh, I haven't read Ego yet. I have read... I haven't not yet because of all the things he's talked about. That's like I'm not. I don't. I don't see myself as super ego based. Gotcha. To me, obstacle was the first one I read, and then I went to stillness because that was the next one that I was super. It came out, and I was like, I'm always scatterbrained. I'm always worried about things, <laughs> so st- I need stillness in my life. And I think I would say, but those two in tandem are are probably my favorites. I haven't read Courage yet either. Um, I'm just kind of working through a bunch of different books. It's definitely on the list, but oh yeah, me um, too. constantly. Yeah, I've got so I just I just got an Audible account, uh, probably two months ago. A buddy from Texas, uh, big shout out to Brent. He he talked me into it. I've always thought about doing getting an Audible account, and uh, I finally did. So I read uh, a Simon Sinek book first. Then while I was waiting for my next credit to kick in the next mm-hmm. month. I started up. They had a they had a stoic book, like um, kind of stoic for dummies, stoicism for dummies. And uh, right now, I'm going through uh, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life. Okay, I've got that one too. I haven't finished listening to it yet. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a good way, especially if you have a commute or something like that. Better mm-hmm. than listening to the radio or I'm almost yeah, all podcasts it, anymore while I'm driving around. <laughs> right. Yeah. I kind of I kind of flip back and forth between podcasts and the audio books because mm-hmm. so they're very similar at this point. Um, and I like it when the author is the one that reads it. You kind of get a little bit more, I don't know, commitment behind it, mm-hmm. I guess is a good way to say it. Um, so, yeah, Ryan Holiday, he was actually just on Rogan. Uh, yeah, I keep seeing clips of it. I haven't heard the episode. I haven't either, but I know I just saw a clip that he posted. He just recommended a whole bunch of books to, to Rogan, and I was like, oh, what's that book? I need that book. I need that book. <laughs> I was trying to write those down, too. Yeah, because I was like, you know, and I've always thought this. When I have someone that I – like like a an artist an author an actor i like to know what inspires them what moves them what gets them thinking because you know i obviously enjoy what they do but why do i enjoy what they do mm-hmm. so um, yeah and with him i, I kind of like that i don't agree with a lot of his personal politics because it just reminds me either that that quote where you know it's the height of uh intelligence to hear another person's thoughts or positions and not make it your own so i can listen to the things that he thinks i don't agree with you know a lot of his personal opinions but i can still use the wisdom that he's drawing from from stoicism because i've gotten a ton out of it and i've applied it to my life in my own way and i think that's the greatest thing about philosophy too is each person kind of molds it to what they want that's why it's passed on from hand to hand since ancient greece is you get a right. little piece of everybody that's you know written about it or thought about it and yeah no I I agree completely I it was very two years ago when he first started posting about defunding the police and stuff it was very hard for me to see that because it was someone that I looked up to mm-hmm. and I really enjoy the things he says and and the thoughts he has so I I actually went and I unfollowed him for a minute for a little while and I was like you know I miss seeing his knowledge you know I miss. Th- those things that he shares. And so I, I went and refollowed him and I never stopped following the daily stoic. Cause he never really crosses paths with those two yeah. things, but you said it very well. You can respect the person and the, the art, so to speak, but disagree with what they do personally or privately mm-hmm. or what they, what they think. And to me, if you really want to equate it down to something super pop culture, like rap music, like I enjoy rap music, right? But am I, you know, when they say fuck the police or whatever, I'm not, 
I don't believe that, but right. some of the you know some of the songs that Dr. Drake puts out is really good. Yep. So what am I going to do? You know, and like uh, for the Super Bowl when they had you know Dr. Dre, Snoop, and Eminem and everything, and I immediately I was like, nah, fuck them. And then I was like, no, wait a second, like <laughs> those are some killer stuff songs, I grew up right? on. Yeah, exactly. Like the moment you start hearing the piano for like forgot about Dre, it's like all right, I gotta I gotta forget what I was I had a problem thing about art too is each person gets to take that and enjoy it however they want to the artist doesn't even really own it anymore once it's put out there whether it's paintings whether it's music whether it's poems whatever each person is gonna absorb that and take it how they will so yeah yeah no you you got a great point and you know if it's a book or whatever that might be it's just um the the person that puts it together separates that from their being you're right mm-hmm. so if you want it to stay yours you got to keep it to yourself pretty much yeah and then you know if if he starts like publishing essays and books about why the police are bad and what then i might have to revisit this part but that doesn't take away from the books that have impacted my life right so and to and to say that you know i first found him when i was in a pretty rough spot and uh that's when i had somebody a mentor of mine recommend obstacle and it kind of it steered the path for the next good one. Mm-hmm. yeah for the next six plus years of my life you know i, I just kind of never turned back from it so definitely right um okay so you 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 fell into ryan holiday and I, i'm sure it was just kind of like me you you started peeling back the layers of that onion and you started looking deeper and deeper into stoicism yeah and and, and just from the the different books i was reading i think shortly after i discovered that uh our chief had us read uh, the seven habits for highly effective people. And mm-hmm. just going through that, I'm like, this is stoicism. Like everything I picked apart of it was like, this is stoicism. And the more leadership books I read, the more, you know, like I don't say self-help, but you know, kind of books like that, that I read it's, it's that, that base is there of yeah. those same concepts, those same ideas. And I'm like, so much of this is just growing from, from stoicism, whether they took it from that or not, the ideas basically for right. living a good life seem to all share what I read in stoicism. And it just seems yep, the I... most concrete. They had the, the best thoughts about it and the most con- I mean, if a, a slave can live by it and a Roman emperor can live by it and both have similar responses to it, then it's got to be a pretty sound philosophy. Right. And if, and, it's, if it's the same philosophy going from ancient Rome to, you know, the modern Western mm-hmm. civilization, uh, that, that says volumes as well. Yep. It's just people. Yeah. It's just living, you having that character and living the best possible v- version of yourself that you can. And what right. I like about I, stoicism as, you know, in, uh, instead of some of the other philosophies is it's an actual, uh, you have to actually live it. You have to practice it. It's not something you can just talk about or it'll do you absolutely no good. It's principles mm-hmm. that you actually have to put into practice in order to get anything out of them. And you're really never going to get to that sage level. They're, they're 
perfect, you know, wise man target at the end. It's just trying to get there as best as you can using every day to, to try to get yourself there. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the, the perfect stoic doesn't exist. And a lot of times when you, if you ever hear somebody say that they almost say it in jest, like there is no such thing as a perfect stoic. It's an ideal Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like fitness, right? You're never, it, it goes back to saying like other works, seem to be influenced by stoicism or at least have similar ideals. So the Simon Sinek book I listened to, the first audible book was start with why. And that opened the book to Simon Sinek for open the book that opened everything up for Simon Sinek. He's got another thing called, um, the infinite game, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that ties into stoicism because you're never, for example, you're never going to win stoicism. You're never going to be the best stoic, but by attempting to achieve that, you overall improve your life. Mm-hmm. Just like you're never going to be the ideal body, right? You're never going to have it. But if you work out every single day or relig- you know, um, consistently, you're going to be a more healthy individual. So that's that's the improvement that we we hope to get. Right. Um, before we get any further, I'm going to look up the audiobook that I was telling you about with uh, – Stoicism. It's called The Practicing Stoic by Ward Farnsworth. That's what I was listening to. Ooh, I haven't heard that one. I was just checking my bookshelves, but I don't know. I haven't heard that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I haven't finished that one yet. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm three chapters into it, but I like how he does it because he takes a topic. So, for example, the each chapter is a different topic. So you have judgment, externals, perspective, death, desire, wealth and pleasure, and what others think and value. Uh, and it just keeps going. And then he will pick different stoic quotes and different stoic ideas based on those topics. And he'll weave, weave them all together. So you get kind of a well-rounded view. And for the most part, he, he relies on Marcus Aurelius and, mm. um, and, you know, Seneca and, and those, you know, the, the kind of the pillars of stoicism, the big three. but definitely, <laughs> yes. So go check those. I would recommend go checking that out. It's a great like intro to stoicism book. Um, I also, like you said, I liked what you said about starting realizing that stoicism kind of exists in different forms and different mm-hmm. art and, and uh, mediums, because that's what I see too. Like I started, I wasn't like really into Jocko right away um, or Rogan or, you know, any of those, but through that, you know, through just kind of learning more about different things, I've gotten into them, you know, and, and just their mindsets, Goggins, mm-hmm. Ryan Mickler. He does the, uh, the order of man podcast. Um, just all these different people, the more I listen to them and everything, I'm like, this all just ties in and makes sense. Yep. And it just adds to the experience of like making yourself better. Yep. So you start hearing a lot of the same themes, a lot of the same quotes, a lot of the same ideas, and you get a different spin on it from each person. And that's why I like the Jockos and all those. They've actually taken it and they can show you the product that they've gotten from it. Right. Um, one of the one of the kind of influencers that I really like is uh, Sean Whalen. He runs mm. Lions Not Sheep, and he's kind of he does the same thing. He's got the he's got the company Lions Not Sheep, and basically that's you know I like him. He's a little bit intense sometimes the way he kind of like delivers his message. But I like it because it shows like, hey, this was my, my mentality throughout this entire run, and this is what I got to show for it. And it's like, 
it works. Like, you know, he's, he's obviously very successful and, or at least that's what Instagram shows. Um, but I believe it, you know, a lot of people seem to fake it, but you can kind of see who's real and who's fake. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryan Mickler. Um, I've actually, I actually just left the iron council, but I was, I was a member of his mastermind oh, group okay. for about a year. Um, got a whole lot out of it, but yeah. Um, a lot of guys that follow like Sean Whalen, they're always the more intense guys. Yeah. The, some of them too intense for, for me, but <laughs> yes, I, I agree. It, I agree. It's all that same trajectory. It's all mm-hmm. living. Uh, what I call it. A lot of my show is living that intentional life. So yes, I yes. think that's been really the basis of stoicism for me is, and I don't know if you had any questions leading up to this, but that's what really got it going for me was just that foundation of learning who I am. Mm-hmm. Cause I think so many of us, society is so comfortable and so easy. Now you, a person can go pretty much their whole life without having to figure out who they are. Um, yes. Society will easily just hand you a, an, a, an identity to live by if you let it. Um, so digging into those, those fears that drive a lot of our, our decisions, uh, even the ones that we're not aware of digging into those. Why do I act this way? Uh, especially on the job. We've seen plenty of guys lose their shit because somebody said something that normally wouldn't trigger any of us, but you know, makes them lose their cool. Why did that make me react that way? And just kind of digging into that. And I think from there, you can start building up. Once you have your point A, then you can start working towards your point B. Um, but for me, that's that's one of the foundations of stoicism. That's why the journaling comes in so much, just picking apart who you are. Uh, I relate it to the hero's journey. You can't write your story if you don't know who the main character is. So mm-hmm. Not who that main character is so that, you can build what you want instead of just kind of drifting. Yes. I think, you know, when you see quotes from like meditations from Marcus Aurelius, I, I read, I read those and I go, was he really a Roman emperor? Because it seems very modern. The things he's saying and the, then the issue, the issues that he's dealing with. You're right. We, we live a very, or the opportunity to live a very passive life uh, nowadays is, is tremendous, right? Like, mm-hmm. Or, or just not being present in any sense of the way. You can spend your whole day looking at your phone and accomplish nothing in the real world and life passes you by. And you're right. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Iron Council. I'm not a part of it, but I did do uh, his battle plan. Mm-hmm. And that that changed kind of my trajectory at the time because I was kind of in a, in a flux position. Personal relationships were kind of just wishy-washy and I didn't really know where I was going with it. And I did his battle plan. Uh, I think it's like a two week battle plan or something mm-hmm. like that, where every day you have to write a journal and you just really chisel out what you want to do with your life. And ever since doing that, um, this is, I don't know if I said it, but this is Ryan Mickler. We're talking about, yep. um, ever since chiseling that out, I've accomplished most of the things on that list. Like things are like, it really set in motion what I needed. And that's, that's what stoicism is. It's not mm-hmm. worried about what's in the past. It's not worrying about what's going on in the future. It's what is going on right now. And how can I make today the best day or me the best person to be? Obviously goals are important. Like you need, you need something to go towards, mm-hmm. but it's not getting lost in the dream because it's, it really hones in on the importance of the process. Yep. That's what the big part of it too, with the battle plan is, is the vision. This is, and we write it, whether it's five years down the road, whatever it is, it's who it's that ideal version of us, which is what stoicism is. It's that ideal or right, that sage, that ideal character that we want. 
and writing it in the first, like, like it's present. This is who I am. This is what I've accomplished. This is what I've done. Um, so that you can just start working towards that. Cause that's, that's really all it is. Is like I said, it's the, it's the memento mori. Tomorrow is something that we've made up. Like no other animal on earth thinks about tomorrow because to them it doesn't exist. So it's not promised to us. We've all seen it, you know, it cut short way too fast on a lot of people that didn't deserve it. So I think you said it uh, in one of your last episodes is uh, like Tim McGraw says, live like you were dying. Uh, if you knew that tomorrow was your last day, your plans for today would change dramatically. And if they wouldn't, mm-hmm. then I guess either you're doing really good or <laughs> then you're, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, it's very important. One of my favorite things that with, you know, we can take the um, kind of the stoic catchphrases, memento mori being one of them, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I wear I wear the pendant every day. Um, one of my favorite things that go along with that is if you imagine that you are going to die tonight, like every night, going to bed and I'm going to die in my sleep. Then you wake up in the morning and you're like, man, I, I got some bonus time. Like this mm-hmm. is this is good stuff. But it also when you're when you wake up in the morning. I think, okay, I'm awake today, but I'm going to die tonight. That makes you strive to make today the best day you can have. And when you do that, it eliminates so much anxiety. It it eliminates so much um, ill will towards people. Like, or like, you don't really hold resentments and, mm-hmm. and grudges at that point. Cause it's like, man, what, what does it bother? If it's, if it's not going to bother you in five years, why give it five minutes of your time? Yep. Makes you really grateful for what you do have which is a, a huge principle in stoicism is focus on that. Focus on like, so what you get the dichotomy of control in policing. I don't know of a better concept, especially as a supervisor going to like a hot call where I've got three or four officers that I have to, you know, oversee what they're doing. If, you know, if we've got it handled, if the scenes, all this stuff, I can only control so much of it. So much of it is going to happen the way it's going to happen. And there's honestly nothing I can do about it. So why split my attention? Why use up all my bandwidth on stuff that is going to happen anyway when I can focus on, here's something I can control right now. This makes mm-hmm. me safer, my guys safer, the whoever we're dealing with safer. Focus on that and then go to the next thing. Uh, right. That detachment to see the bigger picture. And I mean, it lowers your heart rate. It clears up your, your reasoning. Uh, gets you out of that lizard brain and opens up more of that that rational thought. Uh, just cutting a lot of that stuff out that we we worry about so much. With the worrying about stuff, like I said, uh, Seneca says, we we suffer more in imagination than we do in reality. So mm-hmm. so much of what we worry about, we go worst case scenario, and it has nothing to do with what we're currently dealing with. Yeah. Uh, so that's been one of the concepts that's been most directly beneficial, especially as a supervisor on the job. Yeah, let's um let's talk about that. So let's um we kind of took the first half hour and we talked about who Bryce is and we talked about what stoicism is, how mm-hmm. we brought us here. But now I really want to dive into stoicism and how it affects us as people and us in the job. So I want to I want to take that control uh, aspect. I feel like that's probably I, while you were talking, I pulled up the. Um, the four stoic virtues and nine core stoic beliefs. And we'll touch on them kind of as we go along, but Mm -hmm. the control one, I feel like that is probably the most important aspect of stoicism is understanding what you can control and what you can It's like the Seneca quote. You said you need to focus on what you can control, right? You can't change what 
happens to you, but you can control how it affects you mm-hmm. and, and how you respond to it. And if you think about the last two years in policing, right, that everyone, everyone being anxious or upset or have, feeling any kind of way about the defund movement, mm-hmm. about the George Floyd situation, all those things. If you if you go back to that very core of, you know, okay, I can't control what's happening, but I can control how it's affecting me. You take that, I think that really kind of unlocks the next part of your your brain and psyche is just like, all right, like why what was the point of worrying about any of this? Yep. Any of us that's ever tried to control anybody else, you just know that it's impossible. Um, so when it breaks it down, the only thing that we can control is our attitudes, our ideas, our beliefs, and our reactions, our, our responses, what, what we actually decide to do, our decisions, our health, our reputations, what other people do or think about us, uh, what the country's doing as far as like defund the police and what cops in Minneapolis are doing. I can't control any of that stuff, but now there's a now there's a protest in my city. I can choose to show up there as the best officer that I can be. I can mm-hmm. choose to have the mindset that I'm not pissed off. I'm not upset at these people for, you know, using their first amendment right to assemble. I can have that decision and I can get the most I can find a way to apply like you said those four principles the 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 four stoic principles. I can uh virtues. I can find a way to practice those instead mm-hmm. of reacting, instead of being upset or, you know, causing those things to cause a, ne- a negative reaction. The only thing I can control is how I view it and how I respond to it. You think of, uh, yeah, the, the protest things, obviously for, for me and watching the news and things like that, that's really easy to get under your skin. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's like, when you think big picture, which is kind of against the whole stoic idea, but what, we're humans. It happens. Uh, it does. It gets under your skin and kind of makes you feel a certain way. But if you dial it all the way back to just simple contact on the streets as a police officer, you know, you you get out with a guy. He takes off running, or he starts fighting you, or he does this, he does that. The stoic idea of control, personal control, is that you know he could call you an mf or he could slap you in the face. You're going to do what you need to do as a law enforcement officer to take control of that scene. But then you can control what happens next. You don't have to give him the extra customer service to the face or to the to the legs or, you know, the body. Uh, you don't have to call him an F- MF or back. You don't have to drop worse words on him, right? Because when we get angry, we, we say things we don't mean. Mm-hmm. Because then that's going to impact what happens on the body camera or what by- bystanders see and all that nonsense. So if you just go back to that simple idea of controlling your reactions to things and your temper and all that stuff. Suddenly there's no issues at all. That's definitely how I try to live life. It's not perfect, right? Just today I had a guy uh, call into the dispatch center, start cursing me out for something that happened to him months ago and he was intoxicated and everything. And he got, he was getting to me, you know, he was calling me a little bitch and shit like that. And I was like, man, someone get this guy off my phone. I will. F- I know where he lives. Like, we can make this happen. He should not be talking this kind of shit. But then I, I got him off my phone. I breathed a little bit. And I'm like, all right, all right, we're good. Now we're back, right? You just you just got to bring yourself back, and, and suddenly there, there's not that much of an issue anymore. 
Obviously, it might still be bothering me because I just brought it up, but I I did that more for a comedic <laughs> effect because he was whatever. But to me, that's the most important thing because at the very end of the day, you you control yourself, right? And that's that's where we need to start. Exactly. Uh, while you were talking about that, I was I was trying I was trying to bring up. I got a bunch of quotes. I was trying to remember the one uh, from Marcus that helps me a lot. Uh, Marcus Aurelius. Uh, he said, when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself the people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly. They're like this because they can't tell good from evil. But I have seen the beauty of good and the ugliness of evil and have recognized that the wrongdoer has a nature related to my own. So basically, I was at, like you said, that that guy that called in, you know, what else is going on in his life? Does he really hate me? Does he really think I'm, I'm these things? No. He's just looking for somebody to vent to. It's I try to, especially uh, like I think I hear this um, example a lot. Road rage for driving in traffic. What honestly? How does it serve me to get upset that somebody cut me off and shot me the finger? I'm not going to remember it tomorrow. So why let that person have heads, you know, room in my head to manipulate how I react when it really just doesn't matter at all? And me reacting negatively doesn't do anything to that guy, but it teaches my little girl in the back seat that this is the correct way to respond to this kind of situation with anger and with hopefully not bad words if she's in the car. But Right, um, right. Or, and, but, you know, you think of how many times we've responded to disturbances where there are children mm-hmm. present and you're like, we're not driven by those emotions typically when we get there. And you look and you're like, how could you subject this child to this, you know, ch- this childish behavior mm-hmm. um that always got me whenever i like i used to work in a in a like a vacation spot and people would go on vacation and i just i never understood how you could go all the way from you know bfe alabama to where i was in florida and think you know what now's a good time for me to beat my wife this is what mm-hmm. needs to happen right now you know i never i never got that wherever you go there you are yeah yeah <laughs> but you know i so i i get exactly what you're saying and yeah i've had people get mad at me for driving or whatever, you know, I'm the first one. If I screw up on driving, I will, you know, I put my, my bad. Like, Sorry, it's not me. Yeah. Um, I have, I have dark tinted windows. Though, so not everyone can see me like apologizing, you know, if I cut them off or whatever it might be, but I'd never, I've had one person get pissed at me to the point of throwing something at my car. And, uh, and I took it personally. I did. I was like, you know, time to reevaluate, your, I, driving, uh, reevaluate your driving habits there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Honestly, that time it was like the least, Anyway, um, but my initial response was, well, this motherfucker, like I was ready to go. And I was like, no, like what? Let's just say I responded by emotion, right? Mm -hmm. We, we pull off to the, to the, you know, next exit or whatever. We get in the fight, we get physical, the worst case scenario. They come out, they pull a gun. Like I've seen, I saw a video today where it was a road rage incident. Some guy got shot in the face over road rage. Mm -hmm. None of this is worth it. You know, you were, you quoted Marcus. So I I typed in Marcus Aurelius quotes and like the first 10 I pull up all have to do with this topic. The happiness of your life depends on a lot of a holes. (laughs) Yeah. As, as the emperor of Rome. Absolutely. The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. You have the power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength. Mm-hmm. This is all Marcus Aurelius, guys. Uh, the opinion of 10,000 men is of no value if none of them know anything about the subject. I think that's a really important one. Yeah, and Epictetus was like, hey, this guy came and talked trash. Well, he must not know that much about me or he would have said way worse than that. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, I've got I've got on my wall over there um, 
the man in the arena by Teddy Roosevelt. I think that's that kind of goes in line with all mm-hmm. of those things. So just keep that in mind. I think that's that's the one I really wanted to hammer in. Two years ago, when I when I did the first Stoic episode with uh, Bill Morrow, if you haven't checked out the Stoic Cop, go check him out. We talked about these things, but I think that was the one topic that I really wanted to hammer home that I didn't. So I'm glad we talked about it. Um, all right, so let's go. I'm going to pull up. Or I do have pulled up the uh, four Stoic virtues. We kind of touched on them. Or, yeah, we'll do that. So wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the importance of knowing things, right? Like not not acting in ignorance, I think, is the best way to say that. Yep, constantly learning. Um, one of the biggest ones is the more that we learn, the more we realize we don't know anything. Um, so just keeping that, that ego in check. If you're honestly looking to learn more and more and more, the more you realize that you're never going to know it all. Um, and the great thing about each of these is they hold each other in check as well. There's checks and balances. So you don't want cur- you know, courage without wisdom or you're going to get reckless and you're going to get, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that could get you in trouble. So, yes, absolutely. The next, so just to wrap on, uh, wisdom, there's a quote here and I shared it the other day on Facebook or Instagram and someone, uh, commented on it. Victor Frankel, uh, between stimulus and response, there is a space and that space is our power to choose our response. It goes back to what we were saying about control, but you know, you just need to make informed decisions. Like the moment you start seeing yourself acting irrationally, emotionally, you got to stop and be like, all right, let's, let's think logically. Cause that's, that's going to set you free every single time. Yeah. I call it a emotional trigger discipline for the cops. Mm. So that's, that's keeping good. that finger off the trigger is the same as once, especially once you know yourself, you know what your triggers are, you know, what emotions cause that. And I love that quote from Victor uh, Frankel. Cause it, if the guy can survive a, a Nazi prison camp, then I'm going to listen to what he has to say. <laughs> right, right. If you know your triggers, it's almost it's almost like the Matrix. It just opens up this gap where you can say, hey, I recognize that. I see this pattern. I know how I usually act when this. This is how I'm going to choose to respond. So for yes. cops, you know, it's, it's like keeping your finger off the trigger. So you're not just blasting at every little stimulus. You actually have the time to to scan and react and choose how you're going to respond to it. And the only other thing that I would say to that, not even like as a antithesis point to that, but really, you know, you know, someone's going to piss you off, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, you're, you're a cop. Let's say you're a black cop, right? And you're working in a neighborhood and someone drops the N word on you. You know, that's going to trigger you, right? Like that, that is just understood and accepted. Okay. But you, nothing, nothing that you're going to do is going to stop that from happening. Mm -hmm. So you need to already have that anticipation and and kind of just go with it. Like I like saying, like, I ride the wave. Like, you know, I'm not going to crash into it because that's going to cause damage and pain and things like that. I'm just going to ride it. Like nothing that's going to say, I know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to ride it and be done with it. They're only words. The words are completely neutral. The words are innocent. So I'm going to let it happen. The way my therapist likes to, to explain it is... Uh, in Puerto Rico, when a storm's coming, everyone opens the windows, right? They don't let the the storm batter the house on the outside because the pressure will cause the, the structure to collapse. So mm-hmm. they open the windows and let it just blow straight through because, you know, they all have plastic furniture and plastic floors. Like, that'll clean up. They'll be fine with that mess. But they can't recover when the whole house gets blown down. So ride the wave. Just let it go and you'll be okay. And that ties us right into the next uh, virtue, which is temperance, right? Like 
taking it all in stride. Mm-hmm. Like, Self-control. you know, don't let, don't exactly. Yep. Go ahead. I say when I first started learning about it, it was like temperance. What the hell is temperance? So <laughs> yes. I just yeah. straight call it self-control anymore. Cause that's, that's where the patience falls in. That's where, uh, knowing yourself and, uh, knowing how you react and deciding how to do it instead of just letting that, uh, deep seated ego or fears, because uh, how what is anger basically fueled by? It's it's a fear of something. My kids piss me off. It's because I'm I'm afraid that they're going to grow up and you know be degenerates or something because they lied to me this time. It comes from some deep seated fear. So uncovering that that just increases that ability to to know what you're doing and and to choose how you do it. Um, and that's that's a common misperception or misconception with stoicism is that. I think this is talked about a lot too. I think you may have mentioned it with, with Bill um, is that big S and little S with stoicism. Yeah. Um, everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's emotionless that we say that, you know, you shouldn't have any emotion at all. Um, and that's absolutely not what stoicism is. It, it's recognizing that natural, because that we're going to have an emotional response. We're just emotional creatures. It's a natural response to things. Um, but knowing, okay, I reacted to that. And now this is how I'm going to, to move forward. Um, it's accepting that that natural uh, response from the brain and then choosing how we go for, on from there, not letting it control right. what we do. So before I got into stoicism, I was really into or trying to learn about Buddhism. And um, There's a lot of similarities because they both a lot of similarities. But also uh, one of the things that I read about from Ryan Holiday was talking about the different types of meditations mm-hmm. they do, whereas a Buddhist, when they meditate, stops everything. Right. And they just bring everything back down to zero. But a stoic will meditate actively, like they'll journal, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, have wandering walks where they just kind of get their thoughts out. The The thing that I liked about, well, I liked a lot about Buddhism, but the idea, I, I had the, uh, the app Headspace that I used. And one of the things that they taught you is that when you do have a thought, right, if you're meditating and you're working on your breathing and you're just like focused on just that breathing, you're going to think mm-hmm. like it's, it's going to happen. The important part of that is treat it like a feather, like a, a, a thought comes in, feel like you touch it with a, th- a feather to acknowledge that, yes, the thought's there, and then you move on from it. The same thing with the self-control and the temperance mm-hmm. to those triggers, right? Like, okay, this is how I feel about it. It is there. I'm acknowledging it. Now I'm moving on to a better response. Like, you don't have to take it and, and react on that impulse. And I think when we talk about all these unnecessary uses of force that law enforcement officers do or not even unnecessary, but just, you know, maybe the response could have handled, yep. been handled in a different way. That's where kind of the mentality needs to be is like, okay, you know, this was the trigger. This is the, this is the response, mm-hmm. things like that. I said this and then he said this and it built to this and then, and then it got here somehow we have to rewind it all this way to figure out where, how did this start? How did this get here? Right. And Meanwhile, it, if you started all the way from jump and never had that reaction to that stimulus, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be here. It's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie, right? <laughs> like when you see the all all the bodies on the floor, it's like how do we even get here? <laughs> uh, but that that gives you that brings you back to the next one. See how we're tying these all in, folks? The courage, right? This is probably one of the most important ones in in regards to law enforcement because we have to be brave. Um, but I think the important part is it's not just physical bravery. It's not just running into the gunfight. That's very important, and I'm not discrediting any of that. But the mental and emotional courage and bravery is almost just as important. If not, I mean, they're pretty neck and neck. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, there's the there's the moral courage and then there's physical courage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need so much of, of both in law enforcement. I think a lot of times the moral courage is what's getting us in trouble a lot of times in law enforcement. Um, even if it's just uh, supervisors not sticking up for their people or chiefs not standing up, you know, backing up their people in in these big situations. That that lack of moral courage, I think, a lot has hurt our profession a whole lot more than moral or the physical courage, because that's you're, that's pretty much what we train for is that physical right. that physical courage. And nothing will get you driven out of a police department like not showing up with that physical courage when you're supposed to. If you want to be a pariah right, in a, right. in a, <laughs> around cops, yeah. show that you're not you're not willing to back somebody up. And yeah, you'll right, be gone. Yeah, if you if you yeah, if you dog it in a fight or, you know, some kind of uh, response for assistance, I mean, obviously you're going to get, you're going to get shit canned mm-hmm. real quick or put on a desk or something. Or you might as well. Or, you know, put no in community. You. Yeah, absolutely. But the moral courage that you talked about is so important. And I think that goes all the way back to, you know, the issues that we have as far as like infidelity and shit mm-hmm. like that. Like that, those are, those are major cancers on our profession. Um, I, I don't know the numbers. I'm sure there's a study somewhere talking about infidelity and, you know, the divorce rate is high in law enforcement uh, for many reasons, but I'm sure infidelity is one of mm-hmm. them. And the courage is telling your buddy, what are you doing? Stop texting that nurse. You got a wife at home. Like, you know, like those are important because when we are hired, right, one of the questions you always get asked on the interview is like, what's the most important tool or, you know, attribute of law enforcement officer can have? And almost everybody says trustworthiness Mm -hmm. cool that's great that's a that's a that's the 10 million dollar word but if i can't trust you with my wife or you know my money um why why am i going to trust you with my life as well they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. folks so i think we need to look at it even bigger than just you know when we're on the job when we're working in uniform and i thought about this today as i was driving into work like i I was once at a point in my life, in my career, where I said, you know, what I do off duty, if I, you know, if, if, and this is just a broad thing, but like, if I want to fuck around, that's my business, right? But it's not. That that talks about your moral character. And if that's in question, then it, it goes all the way to when you're on duty pushing the squad car. That's what I always tell my guys is how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if I can't trust you on your off duty, I sure as hell can't trust you with a gun on duty. Absolutely. 100%. And the uh, the last Stoic virtue is going to be justice. So we'll go into that one. I got a quote from Marcus Aurelius, and it says, uh, A commitment to justice is in your own acts, which means thought and action resulting in the common good, what you were born to do. That's, again, from Meditations. And I think that's kind of, uh, it says that Marcus Aurelius says that that's the source of all the other virtues. And I believe that, right? Good and evil, right and wrong. And that's the crux of all Law enforcement first responders, right? Absolutely. I was trying to find... I have an Aristotle quote that goes along with that. Uh, Moral excellence comes about as a result of habit. We become just by doing just acts, temperate by doing temperate acts, and brave by doing brave acts. So, like I said, justice, it's one of those things where you can talk about it all day long, but until you actually show the actions towards it, that makes it matter. And it really just comes down to knowing right from wrong is really where they focus on that and really applying all the things that you learn from stoicism to your life. That's what creates the the justice in your life. 
again, it's not just, it's, it's for all aspects. I like the quote you said, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And, mm. um, it's so important to maintain that thought. You know, if you, cause think about this, right? You lie, you know, you get caught lying in, I don't know, something small. Let's say you get an offender bender in the parking lot. You get caught about it. You get talked to about it and you lie, right? You lie, you die and you're going to get put your ass to the wall. Now you might get in that instance, you might just get jammed up, might get some paper, maybe serve a day. But should that information come out to your prosecutor's office or God worse, the defense attorney's office, and then they're going to say, wait a second, you lied about this. Mm-hmm. How do I know you haven't lied about everything? So you take that mentality and apply it to your entire life, not just lying, but just any kind of injustice. Then things are just going to start unraveling again and again. And it's, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's time to start, start acting right. I don't know how they do it uh, in Florida. Um, and here in Texas, we call it the Brady list where if you go on IA for anything that has to do with dishonesty, um, we are required to notify the district attorney and you go on a Brady list. So basically you cannot testify in court and mm-hmm. cop that can't that's testify right. in court. It's not much good to anybody at all. No. So that's pretty much the You're end of your career. That. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I forgot, I should pay more attention to the Brady list, but you know, it's become more of a thing since I've left. Um, and it was never an issue for me cause I've never been dishonest. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't. I don't get it, right? I just, I, it's hard for me to wrap around cops purposely being dishonest. I've messed up things or like put things in the wrong way in a report, and my supervisor would be like, no, that's not how it happened. And never for malintent, right? It's just me being stupid, me being tired, whatever the case may be. But it's never, I'm never fabricating mm-hmm. entire stories. You know what I mean? So the fact that this list even exists, it's just. I don't know. Maybe I just I haven't I haven't recognized and, and accepted that to exist in in reality. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it blows it's my just... mind. I can't even imagine <laughs> that would hurt more than my career if I ended up on that. That would just ruin me as a person. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you know I can just tell from talking to you the bit we have. You know, you you were brought up or to the point of at least good moral character. Mm-hmm. The point of where you are today. You know what I mean? And it's just. Yeah. I, you know, I was brought up in an old school household where you lied, you're going to get, you know, yeah. things and are going to happen to you that were, are worse than both. My parents were aircraft mechanics and I was an aircraft mechanic where your word to that pilot is his life. So he has mm-hmm. to be able to trust if you signed off, whatever it is you did, you're saying you're not going to die when you go Mach two up there. I'm telling you that it's good. Uh, so yeah. it's, I went from one career where integrity was absolutely everything to, to another one. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, as we as we apply the job in stoicism, what are some other things you think that cops can take from stoicism? What are some other teachings or thoughts or philosophies? Oh, uh, well, one of the one of the ones that I see is lacking in the most. Um, I want to make sure that I get it right. I did a whole show on it recently. Uh, it's from Epictetus. He said we must undergo a hard winter training and not rush into things for which we have not prepared. Um, I think that's one of the most glaring issues in law enforcement. You've talked about it at length on your show is cops not being prepared for the job. So living that comfortable life, once you get through the Academy, you never have to take a, another physical fitness test. So we get the guys that are pushing 300 pounds and we know if they have to run after anybody, it ain't going to happen. If, if my life's dependent on them, I'm on my own. 
so that hard winter training comes from uh, when Greek soldiers, all war would stop in the winter because it was brutally cold and you know, it's not good for mass, you know, hand-to-hand battles. So the fighting season was in the nicer weather. So they would pause in the winter and like the Spartans and the you know Greek warriors would continue training through the brutal winter months to harden themselves, to better prepare themselves for the fighting when it continued. And so that's where that hard winter training comes from. And to me, it, it comes back to like the Goggin stuff and the, the Jocko where you have to be uncomfortable. You have to find the things that make you uncomfortable in order to grow um, because you're either growing or you're getting worse. There is no stasis. There is no, you know, there, there is no staying the same. So you're either working towards being stronger. You're working towards uh, a better draw from the holster or reloads or uh, taking classes, uh, doing jujitsu, doing something beyond the 40 hours of whatever it is that your PD is going to possibly pay for uh, the street cop training stuff. If your PD won't pay for it, then going out on your own and doing it yourself. Um, I started going, I'm, I'm close to Austin. So started going down to Tim Kennedy's, uh, sheepdog training. Oh, I actually got the, got the shirt on right now. <laughs> uh, the sheepdog response training where we did three days of jujitsu and shooting dramatically improved at both. Um, and then let's say just pushing myself, taking cold showers. Why? Because it sucks mm-hmm. and I don't want to do it. So making myself do it tells my brain, Hey, I'm in charge. It, it doesn't matter if I don't feel like doing it. I went to a 6 a.m. jujitsu class this morning because it sucks. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't want to get up and do that right. at first thing in the morning. But uh, I went. I even went, and there was nobody in the parking lot yet. I was like, I could just turn around and go home and go back to bed right now. And nobody no, would even know, know any better. Yep. Um, yep. But I sat my ass there and waited for the professor to show up. So then I won twice. Not only did I get an amazing workout that made me feel awesome for the rest of the day, but I won. I got that victory first yeah. thing in the morning. And so I won twice in that. And I didn't used to do this stuff. I honestly didn't. I'd come home and watch TV, go to bed, go to work, repeat. And was 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And it's it's amazing the the mind shift that just doing that little bit every day helps. And I learned it's it doesn't have to be dramatic. It's a 1% improvement over the person you were yesterday. Um, I've read atomic habits, one of the books that absolutely changed my life. Um, I don't know if you've mentioned it on here before or not, Mm -hmm. um, by, uh, James clear. And it's that just that idea, a guy that's massively overweight, wants to lose weight, wants to get healthier. So he goes to the gym for five minutes every day. He shows up, sits down on a machine, gets up, leaves, doesn't get a whole lot done, but he's creating the habit. And after Mm -hmm. a while he's spending 10 minutes and then 15 and then 20 and then, you know, he's created that habit. It's easier to stay longer. So just that concept has dramatically helped me. And it all came from that, that initial quote of that hard winter yeah. training. There's a, I guess we could kind of simple, simplify that quote a little bit and just be like, do what sucks. Yeah. Right. Like it's okay. You know, comfort, the comfort zones where it's, where it's going to kill you. Right. A few months ago I got into CrossFit. I'm nice. far from really good at it or anything, but for so long, I would just go to your standard gym. I'd work out the same way that I did for six, seven years. Because it's comfortable. Every once in a while. What's that? Because <laughs> it's comfortable. Because it's comfortable, <laughs> right. And every once in a while, I'd have like a little bit of success. And I'd be like, oh, look at that. There's a little bit more definition than usual. And then, you know, I'd get comfortable and that'd be it. 
Well, now CrossFit, there is no comfortable. No. It just sucks, right? And uh, I'll do a workout, and I've I've made I've made rules for myself, right? Because like this week, obviously, you know, you know about my personal stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to dedicate time to the gym. I flat out made listen. T- this isn't going to be a gym week. I got personal things I got to do. No problem. But for the most part, right? I know when I wake up in the morning, and I wake up every morning 4 a.m. because that's when I have to get ready for work. I go and I sign into CrossFit. And I reserved my spot for the class that day. That's when you get to see what the workout is. And no matter what the workout is, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't go, nope, not going to it. Even (laughs) if it sucks, I'm going because that's the thing. I want to be uncomfortable. That's where, that's how you grow. Um, And it's, you know, that's just kind of, and I'll look at the workout several times a day going, oh, I really don't want to do that. But (laughs) that's, that's the important part. I've done, um, you hear the thing, uh, smashing greens. Who did that? I think Mitch Aguilar did it. And it's uh it's really just it's disgusting. It's green powder. It's got superfoods in it, apparently. Oh, okay. And uh and you just take it for ten days straight. That's the only meal you do. Uh very similar to like a water fast. That's really yeah. all it is. But the, the the super greens that are in it are supposed to make it so you don't pass out and die. <laughs> I did it for a weight loss. <laughs> it, yes, yes. <laughs> um <laughs> but anyway, you know, I did it, it sucked. And that was it, you know, and by the end of it, and I realized that there was no nutritional value from what I was doing, but it became a mental thing. Like I'm going to do this. Uh, same thing with the cold showers. Have you slept on the floor yet? Uh, not so much. Cause my, my back will go out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. But every once in a while I, I like, I sleep on the couch mm-hmm. and my girlfriend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, listen, it, like I don't fit on the couch. Like I'm too tall for it. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I need to do this. It's kind of weird, but just just go with it. And she, she knows I'm into stoicism and everything. Tying back into Goggins, or not Goggins, I'm sorry, Jocko is his, his thing with good, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you can say good, that means you're still fighting. That means, you you know, yep. uh, I'm actually, in a few months, I'm going to get good tattooed right on my wrist. Nice. Always where I can see it. So that way, when I see it, I know that I'm good and I can keep going. I think that's so important. Um, going back to CrossFit, right? When I feel like I'm about to pass out during the workout, that means I still feel, that means I'm good. Exactly. I can keep pushing. And, um, you know, I, I'll look at the time and like, damn, how much more time do I got left? I was like, this gotta be my last set. Right. And it's not, I get like three <laughs> more out of it. And I'm like, all right, man, I guess I gotta stop bitching. You know what I mean? Like, um, you, do you listen to Andy Frisella at all? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So, I mean, 75 hard, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't done it yet. I just don't, it's really hard to do 75 hard on a first responder schedule. Yeah. It's really hard. The, the two 45 minute workouts are ridiculous. That's uh, tough. I started doing two 45. I started doing two workouts a day, one inside, one outside based on that. Um, but I did the same thing. If, if today my back hurts from jujitsu and all I can do is five push ups outside, then I'm doing five push ups outside. It's right. more, it's, it's five push ups more than I would have done. So. Yeah, what he says in the book is like silence your bitch voice, mm-hmm. right? You got your boss voice and your bitch voice, and I, ever since I read that, but I was like, yeah, like when when your body says to quit, that means you got a few more reps in you. Mm-hmm. Just keep pushing. And yeah, like uh, Goggins says our body tells us we're done at like thirty five percent, or our brains tell us we're done at thirty five percent, and we got so I don't remember what the percentage was, but our bodies want to quit way, or our mind wants to quit way longer than our bodies uh, need to. Right, right, exactly. We had, when I was in field training, or um, like post-academy, pre-field training for my, my old agency, we were working out, working out, 
and they were saying the same shit. You know, just keep pushing. Your body's going to quit before your body, or your mind's going to quit before your body. And uh, <laughs> some guy passed out. He got sick and he passed out. He goes, that's when you can fucking quit. And I was like, okay, but can we call the paramedics? Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, no, you're absolutely right. I think that's a very important one. I think it goes back to that whole complacency kills, comfort kills, especially the more time you get on the job, the more complacent you get, and that's when people start to get hurt. You notice that the people that seem to unfortunately die in the line of duty tend to be towards the end of their career or like midway. I th- that the, Like the rookies, you know, unfortunately I see that the rookies that get hurt, that's, that's tragic, right? But that, that goes back to like, what was their training like? They mm-hmm. shouldn't be this fresh out and this vulnerable. They should be the most squared away the yeah. moment they get out. But the, the guys in the middle the and the guys at, Yeah. But the guys in the middle and the guys at the end, those are the ones that get the complacency. I always said like around the ten year mark, that's when everything starts to dip. And uh obviously when you hit twenty, twenty five or thirty you're you're ready to to check out, mm-hmm. you know, and unfortunately that's when all the shields drop and then that's when the tragedy strikes. So I I implore everybody listening. I know most of the people that listen are kind of anywhere between brand new and about nine years. That's when you stop caring about cop stuff off duty. <laughs> um, <laughs> but please, if you take nothing else away from this, if you think stoicism is just hokey and whatever. Keep training. Keep making yourself uncomfortable. Try new things. Be the new guy in the room. Trust me, it'll it'll make important improvements to your life and career. Absolutely. And one of the things that I focus on that I know you focus on as well is if one of the reasons that you're not hitting it as hard or trying new things is your burnout or you've just seen too much and your bucket's full and it's about to pull, you know, about to spill over, find a resource, find somebody to go talk to because that whole stigma thing, it's bullshit and it's gone. Um, I don't, it's, that's the old that's the old way of thinking, and I honestly think that it's out the door. I uh, struggled with some PTSD. I went to Afghanistan in 2016, started having more and more issues with it. Um, being a cop didn't help either, just kind of piled on, piled on. And that was one of my, after reading Courage's Calling, is like, all right, I'm, I'm scared shitless to go tell somebody about this. I'm a supervisor, just like the old everybody else thinks. I'm going to, they're going to take my gun away, all this crap. And I just, uh, we had a horrible incident here uh, where a young girl got attacked by dogs and stuff. And some of our supervisors brought in a, um, a nonprofit group that's dedicated to law enforcement first responders because so many uh, therapists that are provided by the cities or anything like that, they can honestly make it worse because they don't know what we see. And a lot of them aren't right. prepared for what we're about to tell them. Um, so if you can find a resource that's just Google in your area, find someone that, that, that handles that kind of thing. Um, and if, if you're in the DFW area in Texas, anywhere, and you can reach out to me on, on Instagram, if you want to know who I used, um, I'm pretty vocal about them on my, my page as well, but got me some good therapy. Uh, an old crusty army EOD guy was my therapist. So he knew how to talk to me. He knew, you know, he'd seen, he'd seen some shit himself. Um, so was able to help me dramatically. And I was able to take that to my guys and say, look, I'm a supervisor. I went and got help. I've went and told the chief what I, what I went through. 
I've still got my badge. I've still got my gun. I've still got my stripes. And I have somewhere that works that I can, that I can send you to. That's part of that whole foundation. If you, if you're not sound mentally, then it's going to be hard to build up any higher. Uh, if anything, you're right. going to sink down. And uh, are you familiar with Dr. Uh, Trevor Wilkins? Uh, no. He's I'm called not. the the big angry Viking therapist. Okay. He was a cop who watched a woman burn to death in front of him in a car. And it screwed him up, and he went to therapists who all cried when he told them what he saw and all that stuff. So he he wasn't able to go back. Nobody would sign him off to go back. So he went to school and became a therapist for cops instead. Mm-hmm. Um, well, his his paper or thesis, whatever he had to write was what point are cops killing themselves? And he figured like, I think a lot of us did, it's going to be, you know, five, six, maybe year mark. Um, you know, guys have seen enough stuff that it's going to mess with them. The truth is once we get past that five, six year mark, all the stress from the job, from the streets drops off. We figured it out. We are supporting each other. We know how to do the job. That's where the stress from the organization skyrockets. Mm-hmm. And it's the guys around the 18, 19, 20 year mark that are, that are killing themselves. So retirement age. So we have to be better at taking care of us now before that, you know, before it just goes downhill. And that's, that's where you end up at the end of your career. Um, mm. Cause it sucks that, you know, we barely live after retiring. Right. Uh, the, um, the average, I looked it up a while ago. I don't have it in front of me, but the average age of I think police officers post retirement passing away, uh, I think it's like five years after retirement, yeah. and the average American is like thirteen. Yeah, that or fucking something sucks. Like that. Those are bad numbers. Those are bad numbers for both, right? Yeah. Uh, imagine, you know, you work your twenty-five year career, you hit five years off of that, and then you're done. Like, mm-hmm. what is the point? What are we doing? Like, I had a I had a training officer who he was like, "Why do you want to be a cop?" And obviously, I gave him the Captain America yeah. response. He goes, "No." He goes, you want to be a cop because you want a job with good benefits and a great retirement. And I was like, yeah, that, that actually sounds pretty good. You're right. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. It's like, well, I want to be there to enjoy the good pay, mm-hmm. good benefits and retirement. You know, I don't. And that was one of the that was one of the things that opened the door for me to leave, too. It was like because when I started my new agency, I'm like, I'm going to be in my 60s when I retire from here. No, like that. No, I I want to be already retired at that point and, and you know living on the beach somewhere and, and mm-hmm. doing nothing but drinking mojitos and bothering the police by calling about <laughs> the guys on my on my lawn <laughs> you know i and and it's it's so important um for everybody you know i I've, i'm very vocal about you know therapists and things like that just off the top of my head uh cops who have done it who got out or are still in it and they're helping cops out Look up reps for responders if you're in the New York City area, but they go all around. Uh, the Resiliency Project is in California. Project 109 is in Connecticut. There's more, but those are the ones that I've worked with uh, directly, one reason or another. So check those out. And then obviously what, what Bryce just said, those are the ones that um, I would look into. And also, when we get off here, Bryce, I want you to give me the name of that nonprofit group that you were talking about. Yeah, it's called 3 for the Love, 3FTL. You know, I'm all about finding out, you know, building the network, you know, finding out who is helping cops out. And there, the other thing I want to say to people is just be careful. I've learned that there's a lot of charlatans out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that just want your money. Uh, they or really don't care about you or to put you on drugs. Um, so just be careful about that. 
And, you know, the, the big thing is they need to understand cop culture. Um, it's one thing to be like, oh, no, 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 I, I studied grief and trauma response. I got this. I'm like, no, you don't. It's totally different, right? You have no um, idea. <laughs> no idea. And, and, and that's not to take away from those people. Um, you know, I'm sure they're great to treating, you know, rape victims or, you know, something terrible for a civilian. You know, I, I, I truly think that they're capable of doing that. Police trauma is totally different than personal trauma on the street mm-hmm. um, because it's compounded because it's cumulative and that's where it all kind of gets a little wonky. So uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't think they had therapists back in, in uh, ancient Rome or ancient Greece. So uh, I don't think there's a stoic quote that goes to this, but you're absolutely right. But speaking of that, going back to the big S little S uh, stoic as a noun and stoic as an adjective. Stoic as a proper noun, I should say. The misconception is that Stoics don't feel, they just kind of deal with everything with a stone wall and that's it. That's not the case, right? We we accept, um, we get the thoughts, we have the feelings, and we deal with them logically. That's the big thing. Is we, we, we look at everything from a logical point of view. That being said, there's still plenty of anxiety and fear and, and, and um, illogical thoughts and, and things that come in. Don't fall in that trap. Don't don't get stuck in these thoughts um, because you need to let the logic shine through mm-hmm. and realize that you're not alone. There are plenty of resources out there and people like myself and Bryce, we can help you find those ways even if it's just us that you talk to to get you over that hump and then hopefully we can get you to someone, you know, even more well-trained to help you out. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, uh, you mentioned that it was there weren't many therapists or you know whatever back in ancient rome but that's what that's what uh marcus was doing he was telling himself this is how you need to act because he wasn't perfect he was writing it out this is what you did that wasn't right this is how you should be doing it Mm -hmm. so even he was always really looking into how he was acting and how he wanted to be Mm -hmm. and i think that's so that's such a pivotal part of it too is knowing the character that you want and working towards it. And the coolest thing that I've seen is focusing on fixing me and making me better. People are drawn to that from the outside. Um, yes. I call it the lighthouse effect. So you're just putting that out and you're, it's, those are natural leader tendencies. If you're working on yourself and making sure you're good, people are going to see that and they're going to listen uh, mm-hmm. if they ask you advice or they, they ask you, what are you doing different? It's like, okay, well, I'm taking cold showers and like, why? <laughs> or I right, walk yeah. to work. Why? Like, cause it sucked. <laughs> right. Yeah. That goes, uh, my buddy Kyle, he's going to be on the show in a few weeks. Uh, he, he told me the quote, um, be a lighthouse, not a tugboat, right? Like be the pillar for somebody, but don't lead, like, don't force them to go where they don't want to go. So that's, that's great. And a good and- way to get those thoughts out is um is journaling that's another big stoic practice i've got a couple obviously this podcast really acts as a journal in many ways um but i also have a gratitude journal and i have a um like a thought prompt journal where it says like hey what do you think about this and i and i write i'm not perfect with it i miss a lot of days but that's okay um it's it's a good practice to at least start Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah i filled up my first full one this past year and okay. missed a day or two here, but that was one of my habits that I that I created in the Iron Council was to journal every single day. Nice. Um, but, um, going back to that 
Oh, I just wanted to say, when you were talking about self-improvement and things like that, talking about the Iron Council, if everyone's interested, last week with Poorly Made, I put in a clip from Ryan Mickler's podcast in there because I was using that as like a, a springboard point. But go check it out, and if you go to the Order of Man website, you can get involved in the battle plan where you basically write out the ideal version of you and how you're going to achieve it within the next X amount of weeks. And, um, it's great. Like I said, it kind of revitalized myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of what made me do 10, eight to this extreme, you know, the merch, the podcast, things like that help my relationships, both, uh, personal and professional. I got a lot from it. I didn't do the iron, iron council yet, but I am part of their Facebook group. Um, and again, kind of all ties in back to the stoic, yep. uh, influences, if nothing else. Yep. It's just making yourself better. It's really all it is. And at, and at the end of the day, that's kind of the point. And uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast. I've talked about it on the Instagram directly. But starting in October, that's kind of what this show is going to become is just a mental health, resiliency, and self-improvement podcast just because that's the most important part of this whole thing. That's how we keep cops from killing themselves is mental health, resiliency, and self-improvement. Let's mm-hmm. not be complacent and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, Bryce, this has been absolutely amazing, man. I think we've definitely talked a lot about stoicism and just life in general. And I really like that. Um, but you've got your own stoic podcast where you're going and and you're just talking about it. Where do we find it? What is it? And, uh, tell us about it. Uh, it's the stoic sentinel. Um, you can find it just about anywhere that you listen to the podcast. If, if, If it's not on yours, let me know. I'm still new to this thing. So, uh, if it's, if it's not on your favorite one, let me know and I'll try to try to get it added. Uh, I'm on Instagram at the Stoic Sentinel. Yeah, at the Stoic Sentinel. I try to post a lot. Uh, I'm doing some, trying my hand at some cheesy memes. I'm nowhere near uh, what ten is, but <laughs> <laughs> it's something better than just posting up. You know the titles of my of my uh, podcast uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to have some fun with it as well. Reach out to me on there. Uh, my email is the Stoic Sentinel at uh, Gmail. So you can shoot me an email there if there's something else that you want to, you got questions or a story or anything. Um, I'd love to hear it and I'd love to, to feature it on the show as well. So yeah, I'm just, it's, it's a selfish thing because I get a lot out of trying to help other people and I've got guys in my department that are really getting a lot out of it. So that makes me feel good. makes me want to keep doing it. Yeah. So. It's that whole iron sharpens iron thing. Exactly. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And you know, when I, when I have a good week on the podcast, it's like, all right, this is, this is what I'm doing it for. Like, you know, sometimes it does get frustrating, but uh, it definitely helps a lot. Bryce, this was great. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And uh, we're going to talk real soon. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Everyone listening to, uh, to the show, stay tuned. We'll be right back to close it on. My nasty Yankee mannerisms Didn't with the local No!
All right, so that's the interview, my friends. I think it uh, really covered the intro of stoicism on a lot of different fronts and i want to talk about a few more things before we say goodbye and uh and then we'll wrap it up and we'll see you next week uh so the first thing that i think really needs to be talked about is that control thing again i want to talk about it one last time uh before we let it we let it lie down um so you, you have to worry about what you can and can't control. I don't tell this story a lot. It's pretty embarrassing from the hiring process of my first my first ever oral board. I did great in that oral board. I, uh, it, to date, it's the best interview I've done in my life. Like I was really prepared for it. I was really eager to do well, and I did the whole time. And it got to the last point of the interview where they're like, all right, do you have any questions for us? And I was told, make sure you have a question for everybody on the panel, or at least one question. Well, I, I leaned on the question for everybody on the panel. So I went ahead and I asked, you know, the two guys that were there, a detective and patrol sergeant or whatever it might be, asked them a question. Then there was a female. She ended up being, I think, the deputy chief shortly after my interview. And I asked a question and I, I didn't word it well, but I said something to the effect of like, being a female in law enforcement, how do you or how have you been able to be so successful in a predominantly male profession, right? And I said it and I, I kind of prefaced it as, you know, me being non-law enforcement, me being uh, non-military, not really raised to be a cop. I felt like an outsider the entire time of the academy and and I felt it throughout my career, but and I was trying to figure out how to succeed if I am, you know, the outcast, the outlier. And I honestly, I can't remember what her response was because I was so embarrassed by the way that I ended up wording it uh, that I just wanted to crawl into my chair and disappear. Which, by the way, I passed the interview. I ended up uh, getting a job offer there, but I didn't take it. Um, but I'm going to ruminate on that for a second. So... I went to the police academy with no prior inclination of being a cop. Like, I thought about it when I was in high school kind of as a joke. I thought about it when I was a little kid because my dad was a police officer. But that was it. It wasn't like something I dreamed of being my whole life. It was just something, as I said in my interview with Aaron Lohman, it was kind of a profession of opportunity. Like, it was available. I had the basic qualifications for it. And I went with it. And as I was in the academy, I looked around and I saw, you know, this person was a Marine Corps vet, this guy was a sergeant in the Army, this guy was this in the Air Force, blah, 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 and this person had prior experience in this and that, and I felt like such an outlier because when, you know, a new instructor would come in and tell us about yourself, I'd say, oh, you know, I used to be a substitute teacher, I used to work in a call center, you know, things that weren't really, uh, they didn't stand out, you know, they weren't very significant. Uh, obviously there were some traits of mine that I thought were redeeming, you know, but compared to all these guys and girls that had these really nice professional and law enforcement centric resumes, I didn't really stand out. And I, and I was worried about that, but you know what? That doesn't matter. It didn't matter. I ended up getting a job anyway, and I ended up doing well. Um, but it didn't matter. And at the end of the day, I couldn't control any of that. I couldn't control the fact if, an agency wanted the retired or former 
Marine Corps sergeant or, you know, someone over me. I couldn't control that. All I could do was to study, was to train, and was to be the best candidate that I could be. That's what I had control over and put that forward. Now, you know, I had good grades in the academy. I My performance in, like, the physical stuff was acceptable. You know, I passed. Um, and I got hired. I ultimately got hired. But it goes back to what we can and can't control. And I'm going to go ahead. I've had this um, speech on the show before, but I really want to go ahead and give it one more time and just kind of not word for word, but basically it's called all you control is how you play. And this is an email from Ryan holiday from the daily stoic. I'm going to kind of, I'll read it pretty much verbatim, but, uh, go onto YouTube and type in control, how you play daily stoic and watch this video. It's his video is sports related. That, uh, metaphor controlling how you play can go with anything. It says it would be, Wonderful if teams didn't cheat and refs always got the calls right. It'd be wonderful if people in the media knew what they were talking about and didn't stake out positions just to be controversial or contrarian. It'd be wonderful if politicians operated in good faith and put country above partisanship. It'd be wonderful if drivers were courteous and followed all the rules of the road. But we know that that is simply not how things go. They never have and they never will. So where does that leave us? It leaves us to focus on the one thing that we can control. As Marcus Aurelius writes, it doesn't matter what other people say or think. It only matters what you do. An athlete doesn't control the weather or the conditions on the field. They only control how they play. A politician doesn't control the game of politics, only the way they choose to play it. We don't control whether we get credit for our good deeds or whether our hard work is noticed. We don't control the economy. We don't control whether we were born rich or poor. What we control is what we do in response. What you control is how you play. You control how you play, not whether you win. You control how you play, not if people like you. You control how you play, not if the crowd cheers you. You control how you play. So, that and that was from January 6, 2019, and I read it on thedailystoic.com. That is, you know... It doesn't matter if I was a military vet or, you know, if the soon-to-be deputy chief was a woman. You control what you put forward, right? And that goes for everything. That goes for everything. If you don't like your chief, you don't like your sergeant, you don't like your lieutenant, you don't like your coworkers, you control what happens when you sign you go in every single day and you sign up, you go 10-8. Okay? Um when we talk about like the internet, right? There are meme pages that do not like me. There are pages and podcasts that do not like me. They don't think that I should be making police content. We talked about it last week. It doesn't matter. I can control to either respond to them or continue my own thing. And today, specifically, uh, they got under my skin. They shouldn't. They have smaller reaches than I do. Really has nothing to do with anything, right? They, they just shouldn't even appear on my radar. But they do because I get a little self-conscious and that's what happens. But then we go back to Marcus Aurelius who says, Choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Do not feel harmed and you haven't been. And that's what it comes down to. You control what bothers you and how you respond to it. If your sergeant, if you don't get picked for a special assignment, if you, whatever happens, if you, as long as you don't fall to that level of darkness, whether it be you start doing shady shit or you start sucking at your job just to spite the man, as long as you don't do that, you will eventually come out on top. 
one way or another. Either another agency will recognize your talent, another division within your uh, own agency will. You control how you play. So that's kind of something that I really wanted to nail in one last time. And the other thing I want to talk about real quick is the stoic conception or the stoic perception, I should say, of grief, right? So as everyone knows or may know, I've dealt with a great deal of death, sadness, and grief throughout my life. It's it's taken a great toll of my early adult life from my... um early 20s to present day. So it's tough, right? I've I've always had the I'm going to be the rock for my family mentality always. It's just always been me and I don't really show a lot of outward emotion. That's just that's just my personality, right? I just I internalize, I'm working on it. I deal with things as they come along now, but that's always kind of been my thing. Now that being said, it is okay to be sad, to grieve, to mourn people we lose. And this is this is specifically important in law enforcement because, you know, every week in over the past few weeks I've been saying the uh line of duty desk for that past week. And so it's it's a very real reality within law enforcement that we are going to lose people that are close to us. And it is okay to grieve. Stoic is not going to tell you not to grieve, but you have to realize to a point, eventually no amount of grief, no amount of sorrow is going to bring that person back. There's a story that Ryan Mickler talks about, not Ryan Mickler, Ryan Holiday talks about, about Thomas Edison. His, uh, his laboratory was burnt to the ground. And when he was there, he told his his children, go get your mother and all her friends. They're never going to see a fire like this again. Because what are you going to do, right? When your world is burning to the ground, what are you going to do? Are you going to cry over it and, you know, say, oh, my God, my life is ruined? Or do you pick up the ashes and you move forward. I've always been connected to this, the imagery of the phoenix rising from the ashes. That's just always, always what I've um, gravitated towards. So, that being said, when when your grief is probably the the most severe human emotion, because when you lose somebody, you lose someone, um, you know, it's it's final. You never get them back. Um, you do have their their memory, and that's important. You know, you can you can be so- sad and, and sorrowful. I don't even know if that's a word about their passing, but there has to come to a point where you realize, okay, it is now taking away my well-being to continue to be sad about this person. It's not a bad thing if you no longer, you know, commiserate or just mourn that person so outwardly, right? They always will have a place near and dear, dear to your heart. That doesn't mean that you don't love them or you stopped caring about them, but there comes a point where you need to go, okay, what would this person want me to do? Well, they'd want you to be happy. They'd want you to be successful. And it's important that you go ahead and do that. So that's one of the reasons why, come October, the 108 podcast is going to shift and even the 108 uh, whole experience is going to shift and we're going to be talking about mental health, resiliency, and personal growth because that is the most important part. Making sure you are okay and making sure you are mo- moving forward, whatever your demons are, to something better and something healthy and happy. So that 
concludes today's episode, folks. Hopefully, you got something out of it. I really, I really hope so. This is a this is a very important episode to me. Uh, special thanks to Bryce from Texas, the Stoic Sentinel. Go check him out. Uh, great stuff. If you want more Stoic content like that, we're gonna have him on again in uh, season three. Him and Bill, we're gonna get him on, and we're gonna talk Stoicism some more. The music today, uh, we started with the theme song as always. Then we went into um, Paper Cut by Linkin Park. Then we went ahead and had Quick Death in Texas by Clutch. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with Theme Song by Ryan Caraveo. And then, guys, next week we have a very special episode. We have a whole bunch of my friends from all over the country. We have one of our panel episodes with Black Cops. I don't even have a special name for the conversation and the episode it is literally just called black cops at this time and uh hold on let me read off everybody who's going to be joining us it is going to be my buddy eli he goes by uh the fuckery on instagram then we have my buddy champagne bobby we have black cop the actual meme page we have dexter pitts we have lamont quarker and then we have officer lou and they're all gonna we're gonna be talking about um being a black cop in America, it's a weird time, and uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I don't even know where the conversation is going to go. Hopefully, I get a, I get a seat and an invite at the cookout. We'll see. Anyway, guys, that's the show. If you liked what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. Check out the merch store, 10-8-memes.ecwid. Use the discount code PODCAST, and you'll get free shipping. And um, who doesn't like free shipping? It's great. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff on there. Shirts, stickers, cups koozies bags i don't know I, we just got a lot of stuff go check it out um check us out next week like i said check out my friends at toc production fit.responders and um yeah i think that's it for right now guys take care of each other stay safe we will see you next week 10 8 out so let this shit play I woke up today and decided I don't wanna go to work Got a million dollar mind and they don't pay me what I'm worth I just wanna make noise, travel all over this earth Fuck money for the rent, I worry about it on the first Man, I'm living, living, fuck the business, business All this life around me, I don't wanna miss it, miss it In my ex say that I'm acting different, different But if I'm happy, then that ain't bad, is it, is it? It's been a long year, I swear to God it's been a long year But now I'm winning and I feel like I belong here Cause I was stuck Having trouble moving on Had to lose my family To appreciate the bond And it took losing my homie To see how I'm living wrong It's a shame he ain't around today To hear the song Been stressed but shit Ain't we all Opportunity bringing man I gotta take this call So let the shit play Yeah let it be my theme song Let it keep me going Lately they have been saying I'ma be something And I just tell them Yeah I'm already knowing So let the shit play Let it play let it be my theme song. Let it keep me going. Let it keep me going. They've been saying I'ma be something. And I just tell them, yeah, I'm already knowing. Sometimes you gotta risk it all. Say fuck the world and raise the stakes You'll never come up if every bet is safe to make They'll never feel me till I take this shit from state to state Cause it's just a story till I go and tell them face to face And make it real, so let the rookie take the field Show me where the target at, I'll line the shot and take the kill I truly hope the music I create can make you heal Cause as a baby, that's the shit the shady made me feel And back then I said I wouldn't work now I guess it's kinda funny how this shit works out Cause I'm counting up my money soon as work gets out And when I See there ain't enough, I 
say this couldn't work out Like that's a good excuse or something Man, I'm the underdog, that mean I'm used to winning Using nothing, I've been stressed, but shit Hey, we are opportunity bringing, man I gotta take this call, so let this shit play Yeah, let it be my theme song Let it keep me going Lately, they've been saying I'ma be something I just tell them, yeah, I'm already knowing. So let the shit play. Let it play. Yeah, let it be my theme song. Let it keep me going. Let it keep me going. Lately, they've been saying I'ma be something. And I just tell them, yeah, I'm already knowing. Yeah, I'm already knowing. So let the shit play. Let it keep me going. Let the shit play. Going.